Hi, this is Kara Swisher, and I want to talk to you about my new podcast for The New York Times called Sway. If you want to know what people who hold power in our world are really all about, you need to hear how they answer the tough questions. And that is my specialty. And although it might get messy, as it always does, it's also going to be really fun. You can get Sway wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are available Mondays and Thursdays. Welcome to the Trampoline Hall podcast. I'm your host, Misha Globerman. Trampoline Hall is a lecture series that takes place in a bar. It's usually in Toronto, sometimes in other cities. People give lectures on all kinds of subjects, with the one restriction being that they cannot speak on subjects on which they are professionally expert. It cannot be their job to know the thing. After each lecture, we take questions from the audience. This is the Trampoline Hall podcast, and it is coming to you uh, in short uh, seasons right now. We're doing a uh, a six-week run of uh, one episode per week, and we're now about midway through that season. Uh, this season, all the lectures were chosen by Margot Williamson. She went through the extensive Trampoline Hall archives and chose these lectures for you. If you like the podcast and you're in Toronto, you should come check out the live show. Join our email list to find out more about that. I think that's all you need to know for now. Uh, let's get on to this episode's lecture. It may contain mature language. The topic is the stock market, and the lecturer is Beth Jansen. <laughs> Thank you, Misha, and uh, thank you, Margot, for getting me to do this three days ago. Um, so I am going to lecture you on um, the stock exchange, which is something that, um, unlike you, I'm sure, I knew very little about until about, um, a week ago. So <clears throat> where did the first stock exchange come from? Maybe, like me, you associate the stock exchange with the New York Stock Exchange, or the big board, as they call it, there. Um, and uh, that is the biggest one in the world, and that's the one we all associate with. But that was not the first stock exchange. Um, the first stock exchanges came about in the 1600s, uh, when, as many of you know, Britain and France and uh, the Netherlands all um, decided to pillage the New World, and so they would send uh, ships to these far-flung places they'd never been to uh, to collect and um, basically trade, take commodities and bring them back, um, back to their home countries. The problem was that these voyages were very, very expensive. You had to buy a ship or build a ship, you had to find a captain, you had to find a crew, and then you had to go there and come back, and it was an extremely fraught um, endeavor. So you could hit storms, you could hit pirates, uh, there could be something happen on the ship and everyone dies of disease, and that could happen going there or coming back. So what some clever people decided to do was to create limited liability companies that would um, encompass many different voyages so uh, that you could invest in that limited liability company and then you could get dividends at the end of the year or the period or whatever they um, determined it would be from all of those different voyages. So you could take a few losses and a um, few wins and, and come out good. So those were really the first modern joint stock companies. Um, there was no ex uh, stock exchange per se in existence, a place to go. So investors did their business in various coffee shops in London and Amsterdam um, 
and other places in France. Um, so debt issues and shares for sale were written up and posted on the shop's doors or mailed as a newsletter. Uh, there was an option to transfer their shares to a third party. So, and the other thing is that this was new, so it's sort of thought of as sketchy business. So you got a piece of paper, um, and people thought, and then the secondary market um, grew up where you could sell those pieces of paper to people. So basically, it was a secondary market that arose for these sales of paper. People didn't really trust them. So that's where the idea of coming together in one place and you know, writing it all down in a book came from. Uh, one of the most successful businessmen in 17th century Amsterdam was a Spanish Jew named Joseph de la Vega, who wrote a book describing all of this, <clears throat> which was entitled Confusion of Confusions. <laughs> Uh, yes, and then basically, if you think of the New York Stock Exchange, it was basically a legitimization of businesses in the new world. So instead of um, the business people in the Americas and the first peoples being the ones who gathered all of the commodities and then sold it to uh, you know these these foreign powers, they organized themselves and started to cut that person out of there and give them the ability to do business with themselves. So on May 17, 1792, the first New York Stock Exchange, well, the New York Stock Exchange, the New York Stock and Exchange Board was formed. It was formed by 24 stockbrokers um, outside of 68 Wall Street in New York City under a buttonwood tree. Um, <laughs> that comes up in all of the research because it's called the Buttonwood Agreement. Um, so I just wanted to take a little a moment to tell you about a buttonwood tree. Uh, that is basically an American sycamore tree. Um, it can easily be distinguished by, from other trees by its mottled and exfoliating bark, which flakes off in great irregular masses. And if you've ever visited New York City, you have seen these trees on the sidewalk and you have thought, like me, that they're diseased, but they're not. They're just American sycamore trees. Um, so why do they do this? Well, let me tell you, the sycamore bark lacks elasticity of the bark of some other trees, so it's incapable of stretching to accommodate the growth of the wood underneath, so the tree just sloughs it off. I thought that was very poetic. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit more about uh, the New York Stock Exchange. So. You can now license a seat on the New York Stock Exchange for $40,000 a year. It used to be much more exclusive. So prior to 2005, there were a set number of seats for sale, and there was and is a process by which you would gain a seat. These seats were a sought-after commodity as they conferred the ability to directly trade stock on the New York Stock Exchange. So uh, the term comes from the fact that members would sit in seats uh, to, to trade. Um, in 1868, the number of seats was fixed at 533, but this number was increased several times over the years, so that in 1953, the number of seats was set at 1,366. The Barnes family is the only known lineage to have five generations of New York Stock Exchange members. Winthrop H. Barnes was admitted in 1894, Richard W. P. Barnes was admitted in 1926. Richard S. Barnes was admitted in 1951. Robert H. Barnes was admitted in 1972. 
and Derek J. Barnes was admitted in 2003. Now, Derek J. Barnes is known on Twitter as at DJ Barnes 595. <laughs> and his profile reads, in order of importance, father of three, Hoboken born and raised, husband, friend, and family man, mediocre age group marathoner and triathlete, working for the man. <laughs> if he's not the man. Um, and on, uh, on November 9th, uh, DJ uh, Barnes595 tweeted out, um, hashtag election 2016 was like puking and having diarrhea at the same time and deciding which end to put in the bowl. The American aristocracy. Um, the first woman to own a seat on the New York Stock Exchange was Muriel Faye Mickey Sieber. She joined the 1,365 male members of the exchange on December 28, 1967. She never graduated from college, and she worked her way up on Wall Street in the research department of a number of firms. She specialized uh, in aeronautics at the time when it was not seen as a growing industry, so she was sort of given the shitty account. And <laughs> she really made her name in trading at Finkel and Company by urging her clients to buy Boeing before it introduced its top-selling 737, 737, sorry. So she did pretty well. She researched the New York Stock Exchange rules and found no legal bar to her admission. She paid $445,000 plus an initiation fee of $7,515 with cash and a bank loan backed by her stock portfolio. In 1972, however, she sold her seat for $175,000, strategically taking a $270,000 tax loss, and then bought a new seat for $180,000. <laughs> with her accumulating wealth, she took flying lessons and bought fur coats and a Mercedes-Benz 350SL. In 1975, uh, this marked another major change for the New York Stock Exchange when fixed commissions were abolished. So before 1975, brokers had to charge a 25% um, commission. Uh, but this basically changed the game significantly because um, how cheap a commission you could offer was now a consideration um, and not just the quality of analysis and research you could get. As Mickey told Forbes at the time, the research game is over. And that's it. That's New York Science. Jeff Jansen, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I'm Misha Goldman. Up next, the Q&A. Are there any questions? Yes, back there, yeah. So what's the relation between insurance and the stock exchange? Is it like the relationship between chickens and eggs? Or like another relationship? That's a very good question. Um, uh, they, did, they, did, uh, they did grow out of each other. Basically, you know, it was kings who would build ships and then send them across. And 
they, like many other governments, decided that it would be a good idea to privatize and share some of the losses because there were more losses than uh, gains. And so um, there were insurance brokers, uh, but that was just mainly about getting your, um, getting you know a, a quantity of your of your money back if something did go wrong, but it didn't give you anything if something went right and you got it all and it came back. So they were related though, yes. Does that answer your question? Yes. Yes, it does, yes. Anything else, anything else you would like to know? Yes, yes over there, yeah. What was your personal interest that brought you to the subject? What was your personal interest? What led you to want to talk about the stock exchange? Um, so, really long story, but I visited the New York Stock Exchange a couple times, um, fairly recently, and uh, there was a hall, the only hall uh, there, First of all, it had been redecorated so beautifully and with such a feminine touch, it's ridiculous. It's so gorgeous. And um, I just was like, what happened here? So I felt like there was a bit of a, a, a feminine hand, if I can say. Um, but uh, anyways, there was only one place that was named after a person, and that was a hall named after uh, this woman, Mickey. Uh, Seabird Hall, it was, it was named this year, actually. Okay, so, so now there's a couple of things. I want. There's so much in there I want to know. So first of all, I want to know, like, I want to know more details of what constitutes the feminine touch with which the New York Stock Exchange was. Is it just like now a bunch of guys screaming at each other, but there's like a flower, a bouquet of flowers in the middle? Or like they just like redid all the rooms around it, like the nicest kind of hotel that you can do, like very soft grays, nice soft pastels, but still like, you know, um, aggressive dark woods and, okay. and lots of um, brass and copper. And, and so you're like this, you're like, oh, I would like to know more about this. And then specifically about, what was her, I missed the name, I'm sorry, it was Mickey. Mickey uh, Siebert. Okay, and then that Siebert room, you're like, oh, that's yes. something. Although, yes. But at some level, I kind of feel like it, like your Siebert. question of like, what led you to be interested in this would lead me to think, why were you visiting the New York Stock Exchange? To be, like, what made that, like, what, what was, the, it's, not, it's not on my list of like, oh, tourist things to see in New York, no, like go I, see the Stock Exchange. I got to actually be a part of ringing the bell. What? Yeah. What? Closing bell. You got to be part of that? No, that's yeah. okay. So tell me, so how did that, what did you do? How did you become part of the ring, the closing bell? Um, so I helped to start a foundation for women entrepreneurs. And um, they, to, to toast, you know, the sort of launching of this foundation, we got to, to ring the bell. And then we did a summit. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm, I'm very glad you asked then. Okay, that's amazing. Okay, and I, okay, awesome. Uh, anything else you would like to know? Yes, in the back, yeah, over there, yeah. What's the present ratio of men and women traders? I do not know. It's hard to judge because you know anyone. You can buy a license to trade bonds for a thousand bucks, or you can license a seat for. 40,000, so it's sort of anybody's game. Well, let's say for seats, really. Let's say, let's not count those uh, riffraff bond so traders. I don't know. Does anyone know? Does anyone here know? Surely some people here are uh, stock gender experts. That's, uh, <laughs> who I think of as being a trampoline. No, no one knows. There's a great documentary uh, from 2013 called Risk Reward. Risk Reward. It's all about women on Wall Street. You can watch that as well. Okay. All right. so, that, so if you wanted to know the answer to that question, Maybe you could watch Risk Reward, or maybe that would come across. But certainly, don't ask a single person in this room. No one has even an inkling. Uh, yes, yes, you, uh, the, the lady in the back. Um, when you rang the bell, that means that you started the initiative. So was that like sending a ship somewhere? So is ringing the bell like sending a ship somewhere because you launched the? Are you not sure what's coming in? Is that the, did, did you ring the bell to start the day or end the day? We closed, we ran the, rang the closing bell. So it'd be like ringing in a ship. I think we rang the closing bell on like, like 
Tuesday or something, it's like not a good day during it. There's there's really, really, <laughs> there's very, very specific great Who are the, who, what is the circle of people in whom, with well, whom that is like a? It's a really exclusive little club, but if you're like launching an IPO or, you know, or you're just basically, the sponsor of this um, program was UBS and they're a pretty big member of the New York Stock Exchange, so um, that's one of the reasons we could, you know, be invited to do this. But yes, it was just like launching a ship of dreams, Marco. <laughs> and um, I set it a, a sail and I'm waiting, waiting for it to come home. <laughs> what? Is that true? Is that your question? That's a, that's a fine follow-up question. It's very true. <laughs> do you want to keep, do you want to ask if that one's true? We keep going down, down this path. <laughs> All right, Margo's skeptical, but uh, she no, was skeptical. No, you can ask more. So you're the curator. You can ask whatever you want. Yeah, like, does it, I, I was just curious about, like, is it, does it actually reflect the origin of that way? Like, does you, like, you sort of, like, does that, does that mean investors, or that sort of, change that they're waiting to, like, like, is it a sort of a long journey, so something happens to them? You mean, like, in terms of just the origins of the bell itself? No, 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 in terms of, like... Oh, you mean, no, it's going back to Beth. Like, does it feel like... Yeah, I guess where does it fit in with like the journey with the organization that you're doing? Does it feel like, oh, that was like the moment where you cast that organization out into the world in some sort of big way? Is that what you're? Yes, and I am trying with all my heart to uh, let go of this uh, modern obsession with quarterly returns, which we have now, which you guys probably know all about, <laughs> which is that, you know, every quarter, every four months, uh, three months, So maybe there is a, is there something there, Margo, that latches onto your ship analogy? Where you have to Just like so you know, Margo is my cousin, and she wanted me to talk about shame and shame to family. So that's where you're going with this. I'm not going. There. Over there, thank you. Oh, yes, uh, you, yes, uh, yes, you. Uh, tell me, what's the origin of the word stock in this context? Where does the word stock come from in this context? Um, I don't know. Um, I know that it was uh, bourse in <coughs> French. Bourse? Bourse. bourse. Yeah, yeah, bourse. Right. Meaning um, stock. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually know. I think it must have something. See, when I came up here, I was like, oh, it's all about cattle, and you know, you train in cattle, and that sort of stuff. But I don't, it's actually not that. Does someone else Does know? Does anyone you know? Do you know? Oh, you're, um, you're No, I was going to ask what stock means, but I know what books means. Okay. Books means like a grant. Okay. Grant. Yes. So, well, this is a good time to add a little bit of the research that didn't make it into the right, sure, presentation, yeah. which is that um, a lot of people contest that the first stock market was founded in Amsterdam by the Dutch East India Company. They were saying that it was really in Venice in the 1500s when people would start to trade debts. So, uh, and you know, they would 
basically say this guy, you know, you get it. They would come together in a market and, and trade debts, and, and those debtors were filling a, a hole that the banks left, you know, right. for. So a similar kind of thing. Guys were like running around and trading pieces of paper with it's each other. It's sort of like the subprime network. mortgage crisis, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Does that answer your question? I'm sorry, it doesn't. Not at all. Not at all. Not even a little. Does anyone know anything about where the word stock comes from? There's a couple of people. I'm going to go the guy up, up on the wall because you're higher up than the person down there, so that gives you more authority. Yes, do you know? No, no, I'd like to know if you knew the, about the stock, the stock answer. I'm sorry, I tried, you don't know. So you seem almost angry. It's, it's fair for you to be angry. It's reasonable. I accept your anger and I offer my apology. At the same time, I'm now going to ask if there is anyone who A, isn't angry at me and B, does know where the word stock comes from. Oh, it's Gonzalo. Yes, Gonzalo, yeah. Like it's dying and 
this was a big revelation, probably the biggest revelation for me in doing this research. I was like, oh, those trees aren't dying. Those are sycamore trees. They're supposed to do that. Um, but now they're doing it. <laughs> they are dying. <laughs> they look like they're dying. Yeah. They are dying, but not because they look like. Yeah, and the oldest one is in, uh, in uh, North Virginia. West Virginia. Jesus Christ. There is no West Virginia. West Virginia. All right. So does that... Does that, does that tell you some of the things Did you, you wanted to know? Stock? Oh, we have an answer on the stock question? Yes, all right. Someone's obviously gone to the reference library, asked the librarian, and come back. Yes. I think you might be disappointed. It says the original stock markets in the 14th century was a fish and meat market in the city of London, on or near the later site of Mansion House, so called perhaps because it occupied the site of the former stocks. Of a former what? Just what do they mean? A former stocks? What does that mean? A former stocks? Everyone's like yelling. What? You are so you are quite certain it was where you keep cattle, but you're like, oh no, like the stocks, like the. Well, and it's also. Some people are screaming lock, stock, and barrel. But what, is, what do any of those things mean in lock, stock, and barrel? We are so ignorant. We've learned today that we don't know what the word stock means at all. <laughs> what? We can make it up right now. We can make it up right now. You think it's up for debate right now? <laughs> what the word stock means? <laughs> this is the moment where the language has come loose and we can even be positive. If you want to take that step. <laughs> no, I don't. I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> I can refer you to another little factoid, which sure. is that the first New York Stock Exchange was actually in a coffee house in New York City at the corner of Water and Wall Street, and it was called the Tantun Coffee House. And that, I do know the meaning of that. That's a very, <laughs> very. Um, uh, it's a, it was, a, it was a very old way of, it was like a, a like a Ponzi scheme sort of, uh, oh, tontine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was an investment plan for raising capital devised in the 17th century. And, uh, it was a group annuity and a lottery. So basically you would, uh, you, a subscriber would agree to pay a sum. You're nodding at me like you know what this I is. I do, because oh, okay, it's a, go okay. on, I, I do, but I, I think I do, but as long as you describe it, I realize I'm wronger and wronger with each detail <laughs> you give me, so I'm nodding less firmly. <laughs> so, <clears throat> basically you subscribe and you pay into it, and then after that you, you receive an annuity, um, you know, like money working for you. <clears throat> but as, <clears throat> as the members of the group die, yeah then uh, their shares would devolve into other participants, so the value of each annuity would increase. And on the death of the last member, the scheme is wound up. And this became a huge corrupt thing uh, because people would um, sort of... Uh, Gives you a strong incentive to kill the other Right, they were gaming the system. So it became increasingly common for people to buy 20 shares for young children, especially girls at the age of, around the age of five, since girls long lived time? longer than boys, <laughs> and by which age they were at less risk of dying of um, infant mortality. So, yeah, as a result, they were eventually abandoned, and by the mid-1850s, they'd been replaced by other investment vehicles, like Penny. Policies, um, yeah, but it was a big, big scandal. Do you feel that was a shift for the better from the Tontine to the, the modern, penny policy to the modern? Well, just the modern stock exchange. Um, yes. 
Maybe we'll end on that positive note. Ladies and gentlemen, Beth Jansen, ladies and gentlemen. Trampling Hall was created in Toronto in the 21st century by Sheila Hetty and is hosted by me. This episode's lecture was chosen by Margot Williamson. The podcast is produced by Josh Block. Our theme music was composed by Matt Smith. Kate Bars is our coordinating producer, and our podcast intern is Quentin Bradshaw. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. If you enjoyed the podcast, it really helps us out if you leave a rating or positive review on iTunes. Thanks. I'm Misha Globerman. Thanks for listening.